welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, it's a joy to be here. You can hear that I brought my cheer squad, so I know I get at least a few amens. Hopefully there's people watching online as well that are putting it in the chat and just excited for uh, this opportunity to speak today. It's surreal to stand on this stage. I've been a part of this church for my entire life, and uh, few people can say that because our church is only 27 years old, and being 26, it has literally been my entire life. I've never been a part of another church, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And uh, my wife and I, this summer, will be celebrating six years of marriage, so time is flying. For those at the Apple Valley campus here who like to come up and say, I remember when you were this big, six years of marriage, it's crazy uh, what happens when uh, life goes on. And I want to honor my parents and uh, Pastor Kirk, Pastor Davey, for giving me this opportunity to speak here on this home team weekend. It'd be very easy for them to say, hey, we want another opportunity for us to use our gift. And they empower people uh, all across the campuses, all over the place. I'm excited to kick off this weekend here online and for all of our campuses. And I know that there's even more amazing communicators that are going to be speaking across the campuses. And uh, today we get to talk about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost uh, weekend and obviously it's Memorial Day as we honor those who pay the ultimate sacrifice. And so this weekend is special and there's so much going on. And I know sometimes when it comes to Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, it can be confusing. And there's lots of things in life. And as I've grown up, I've realized there's things in life that you maybe don't know much about, but you take them for granted or you really don't think about them very much. And I know for me, there's things that I just don't really think about, how the world works, uh, how the world you know, really goes from point A to point B. And I don't know about you, but if I were to ask you right now, what type of oil does your engine in your car take? A lot of you probably wouldn't know the answer. And I know the people who drive Teslas just leaned over and said, well, my car doesn't take oil. It's like, we get it, we get it. But if you had a car, what oil? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I bring it in. Uh, or maybe you look at an aircraft carrier and you see that it weighs 220 million pounds and you say, how does something like that float? I don't understand. I've stood on one before and I'm glad it was at shore because I'm not sure that I could trust myself if I was out at sea on it. But 220 million pounds, how does it float? And speaking of weight and measurements, have you ever wondered why pounds is abbreviated LBS? Yeah. I've th I'm like, I'm thinking, you, you know, you learn in school these abbreviations, abbreviations, ounces, okay, OZ, which you're like, okay, there's not a Z in ounces, but all right, I guess that maybe makes sense. And, and then you get to pounds and it's LBS. It's what, what is going on? <laughs> I found out it's the Latin word, but luckily now we have chat GPT. And ChatGPT can tell us whatever we want and explain even the most complicated things. So if you were to ask the question to ChatGPT, how do you explain something complex like gravity? But I want to explain this to a six-year-old. ChatGPT would tell you gravity is what pulls you down to the ground and keeps everything on earth from floating away. It's like a magical, invisible string that makes sure we stay connected to earth. Wow, thanks, ChatGPT. 
Or if you wanted to sound really smart and really cool, you'd ask ChatGPT how to explain gravity to an astrophysicist. And ChatGPT would tell you, gravity is a fundamental force of nature that governs the attraction between objects with mass or energy. It's described by Einstein's theory of general relativity, which explains how matter and energy curve the fabric of space-time, causing objects to move along curved paths. That sounds more like my teachers when I was growing up. It's like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. But technology has made it very easy for us to not no information, and we trust a lot of things that we read, but unfortunately, a lot of people do that in their faith as well, right? They say, well, I'll trust the pastor, or I'll trust the person on the stage, or I'll trust the, the Bible commentary that I read, but it's hard for me to investigate. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden it's, okay, this is too hard for me to understand. This is maybe too spooky, or I was a part of a church that grew up not talking about it, or I was a part of a church that talked about it a little bit too much. And we, we use things and use excuses to, to not learn about the things of God. You know, we, we say God created everything and uh, Jesus came, he died for the cross and our sins, then the Holy Spirit came afterwards and Jesus is coming back again and he'll take his church. For some of us, that's the depth of our theology. And Jesus has given us this, this reminder and this, this preparation to the disciples that we'll talk about in a moment with Pentecost that says, there's something greater for you that's coming and it's the Holy Spirit. And some of us, because we're afraid or because we're, we're un, insecure or uncertain, we don't investigate. But in Acts 1, Jesus leaves the disciples, and you can imagine their feeling as Jesus left. They experienced the supernatural. And in Acts 1, 6, it says, So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. They were thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end of the world. God's gonna restore it. And the famous verse that we love to share, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking up, as they were looking on, he was lifted up on a cloud that took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood, stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. And I don't know if the disciples heard anything that the angels had said, because I can imagine they were standing there looking up, <laughs> trying to figure it out. But Jesus says, you're gonna receive power. The Holy Spirit is coming and the angels say, hey, he's coming. Don't worry about the timing. Worry about this power that he gives you. And you know, you can imagine the roller coaster ride that the disciples were on, right? They, three years prior, many of them were fishermen or tax collectors, everyday people who had no idea that they'd be at the center of the greatest supernatural movement to ever happen on this earth. And then three years later, they see miracles. They see all these amazing things happen. They realize and have the, the revelation that this man that they've been following is actually the son of God. And then he dies and they're confused again. But three days later, he rises again. And you gotta think they're on top of the world thinking, this is the end. This is what the scriptures have prophesied about. This is it. And then 40 days after Jesus rises from the dead, he brings them up to the Mount of Transfiguration or the Mount of Ascension and he leaves. That would be confusing to me. Yeah. 
Now what? The savior of the world just left. He floated up into heaven, his last amazing miracle here on earth. What is going on? But what did Jesus say? In John 16, he said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus said it's best for you. And if Jesus says it, then it means it's true, but I'm sure that they had a difficult time understanding that. And so at the time of Pentecost, the disciples were, were gathering together and they were, I'm sure, confused. I'm sure still, still over the moon about there's still 40 days from this resurrection. Now a few days later and they're meeting together and the Bible says they're in one accord and praying, seeking after God, trying to figure out what's next. And in Acts 2, we see the account of Pentecost. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongue, tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. The Holy Spirit poured out on Pentecost and it's worth noting that some people here believe this is when the Holy Spirit was created. It's not true. Maybe you haven't been in church a long time or maybe you're still trying to figure this out and you say, okay, that's when the Holy Spirit came. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was there from the beginning. At the beginning of the word, it says he hovered over the waters. In, later in Acts, it says that he spoke through David, that he spoke through Isaiah. And I'm not here to give us a graduate course on the Trinity, but God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they're the same. They're different persons of the same being, and that is God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a Welsh pastor, said this about Jesus' disciples. He said, before Pentecost, they only supported or advocated for Christ without full commission or agency. But after Pentecost, having received the power of the Holy Spirit, they were fully commissioned, bestowed with full Authority. What that means is that the men who three years before were not bold enough maybe to even, to even pro proclaim God's goodness or, or go out and share, they weren't rabbis, they, they, they weren't gifted like Jesus was, but now after Pentecost, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, they said, I, I'm filled, I can do this, I'm being a witness, and they're doing exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. What did Jesus say? He said, you'll receive power. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He makes us bold. And maybe you'd say, before I had the Holy Spirit, I was timid, I was shy. Or maybe you'd say, I'm still that way. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. He gives us courage. He gives us action to, to go into the world and to witness. And what did Jesus say? Go into the world. Use that power to do what? To witness. The power wasn't for us to, to stay in our churches and to stay in our bedrooms and just to say, I love experiencing the presence of God just for myself. Jesus says, be a witness to the world. You know, some of you are saying, can I be bold in my workplace, right? I wanna be bold, I wanna, I wanna share my faith with people or in my neighborhood or to my friends at school. I wanna be bold. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we have a Holy Spirit stiff arm against him and say, I'm gonna keep you here. 
I'm gonna keep you at a distance, but, but I wanna be bold for you, but I'm not sure that I wanna be that bold. I wanna be filled with your spirit, but I don't know if I want that much spirit. Could you imagine if the disciples had said that when they, again, people who had no training are now standing up to government leaders. They're standing up against the people who know much more of scripture than they do. Maybe there's someone in this place right now that you feel, I don't, I don't know that I'm qualified enough. I don't know that I'm strong enough. Well, guess what? That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. He takes people who don't have enough and says, I'm gonna give you more. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He also guides and instructs us. Have you ever wished that you learned a lesson sooner? I know for me, I was about 15 years old and I listed this, this camera that I had on eBay. And uh, for those of you who don't know what eBay is, it's like Facebook Marketplace, but way more sketchy. So I listed this camera on eBay, I think it was for around $300. And I got this message to my email and it was, my son is in the military and uh, he's in Nigeria and he would love this camera. And I know it's really expensive to ship, so I'm gonna send you an extra $200 so that you can ship this to my son who's in the military in Nigeria, and that way you get a little bit of extra money for your troubles, and he gets this amazing camera. And I thought that sounded like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> oh, some of you are laughing, but you're watching that, that show that's a scam on TV, what's it called? Oh yeah, The Bachelor. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you watch that and you laugh at me, okay? So I went to the post office with my mom and my mom was saying, are you sure? I said, this is legit. There's no way someone would lie about this. Even the postmaster at USPS tried to convince me not to do it. <laughs> he said, look, like, there's no way, like this can't be real. Like Nigeria, like shipping things over there. There's a lot of scammers. And I said, no, this one is legit. Trust me, I got an email from PayPal. I promise it's legit. <laughs> After shipping it, I, I sent an email, hey, when, when is the payment gonna come through? Because it still says pending. Oh, once we receive the package, you'll get it. No worries. Okay, a few more weeks went by and I never got the payment. And then I thought, I wonder if what they were telling me was true. So I went, you know, and the email said from PayPal, but you know when you click on the email and you actually see what the email address is? It wasn't paypal.com. It was paypal.12468 something. And I lost my camera. So hopefully my lesson can help you avoid losing something that's valuable to you is that there are people out there who are evil. <laughs> so now I'm an advocate. But the Holy Spirit, he guides us. He helps us to learn lessons that maybe we wouldn't have been able to learn ourselves, but he also helps us to learn lessons along the way. In the New Testament, you see Philip. He was led by the Holy Spirit to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch, which led him to translate the book of Isaiah. You see Peter and Cornelius. They couldn't have met had it not been through the Holy Spirit. And all of Paul's journey is led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. But maybe our greatest sin is that some of us treat the Holy Spirit like a lesser version of God. Because we don't understand him, he's a God with a lowercase g. 
God the Father, and I love what Jesus did for me, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's too weird for me. It's too hard for me to understand, so I'm just gonna keep him at a distance and just, he's just, he's just there. And I like him when I need him and he comforts me and he's there beside me, but we don't give him the power to take over our life and to be transformed and emboldened. It's not a hierarchy of God, it is a trinity. Three distinct persons. What else does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, eight through 10, it says, for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, there's a lot of gifts, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. A few weeks ago, we heard Grandma talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit used her in an amazing story. And a couple weeks from now, Pastor Rob's gonna be going through these gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can use them in the church. He, at a staff meeting recently, shared 33 things that the Holy Spirit does. And he'll be talking more about that as well as Pastor Herbert next week. So I won't steal his thunder. But in a couple weeks, I'm excited for him to talk about those gifts. The Holy Spirit also strengthens us. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. When you're struggling, the Holy Spirit strengthens you. He gives you lift. When you're afraid, he gives you, he gives you hope. He gives you encouragement. Sometimes we cry out to God, but we don't recognize that the presence of the living God, if we've accepted him, lives inside of us. It strengthens us, not just from the outside in, but from the inside out. In Romans 8, 26, one of the most powerful verses that Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, For as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You've heard this idea of a prayer language that's throughout the New Testament. The Holy Spirit praying on our behalf, interceding on our behalf. God, I don't know what to pray. This mountain is too big. God, I don't know what to pray. I'm scared. I'm concerned. I've never been here before. I don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. You lean into him. You say, God, I need more of you. I'm gonna press in, in the midst of my weakness, in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my fear. I realize that, that I'm empowered, that I'm, I'm given gifts. But, but even when I can't do any of those things, I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit is gonna speak through me. And in this passage that Paul's talking about, sometimes we read it just like it's the, the individual moments, right? It's the moments of weakness, As I grow older into adulting, right, you realize there's a lot more moments of weakness than you thought. I thought that adults were invincible, but you realize, wow, maybe kids have it better. (laughs) It's not moments of weakness that Paul is talking about here. It's actually the Holy Spirit that's helping us with the weakness that is embedded in our sin nature. He's not saying, in the moment of weakness, Turn away from your own things and go to God. He's saying in everything, it's because you're too weak. It's because you couldn't do this on your own. Paul talks about it so often. 
You can't do this without Jesus. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We're not made to do this without the Holy Spirit. And the other thing that a lot of people misunderstand is they think it's a temporary thing. The Holy Spirit will temporarily take care of your needs. But the reason I think that we fall prey to the idea that it's temporary is because we actually misunderstand that what it is is it's a replenishment. And in order to be replenished, you have to go to the well. And so some of us are thinking, well, why is it that once I was so deep and now I'm not? Why was it that once I felt God, but now I don't anymore? Why was it that once I was bold, but now I'm not? It's because we've let it become temporary when the Holy Spirit says, hey, come to me. I will replenish you. Living water flowing out. You draw near, I'll draw near to you. But we're convinced that it was for me before or it's good for them. No, the Holy Spirit replenishes us. When we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Another thing that he does is he transforms us. And this final point is, is in two parts. He transforms us and he convicts us. But starting with transform, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms us. When you say yes to Jesus, when the Spirit comes inside of you, you're transformed. You've heard people and share their testimony of this is who I was before and this is who I am now. This is what I was, this is where I've been, but look at what God's done in me. It's all the testimonies every single one of us in this room could proclaim and testify. That's what it means, to testify of God's goodness. Here's who I was, here's who the Spirit has transformed me into. Some people's stories, I once was an addict and now I'm clean. I once was anxious and now my mind is calm. I once was afraid, full of fear, but now I'm full of faith. There's so many other stories, but, but I was blind, now I see. I was lost, now I was, I'm found. I was in, in change, I was in, in bondage. I couldn't get out of bed, I was depressed. But the Holy Spirit has transformed me. He's lifted me. But some of us don't believe that it's for us. Again, we, we keep this stiff arm. We keep the Holy Spirit at a distance. We're good with the Father. I love what Jesus has done for me, but could you just, could you keep my comfortable area? Could you stay just a little bit further away? Because maybe, maybe we're afraid that God's gonna ask us to do something that we don't wanna do. That never happened in the Bible, I promise. <laughs> well, God, if I lean into your spirits working in my life, then then what if you ask me to share, share my faith with my neighbor? What, what if you ask me to go on a global team? And what if when I'm on that global team, I fall in love with the people of that nation and then you call me to be a missionary? That'd be horrible. What if, what if you're asking me to, to do something that I, I've, I've prayed over and over again that you wouldn't ask me to do? How many of you know that when you pray a prayer that God don't ask me to do this, I feel like he turns? Not that like his throne turns. I don't know if that is theologically accurate. 
But like, wait, did someone just say, God, don't? They're dangerous prayers. But they're prayers that, that you, you we're afraid of and we're afraid that if the Holy Spirit activates us that we're gonna go somewhere. But why should we be afraid? Stephen, as he's being stoned later in Acts, he looks, looks into the heavens. He said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's a journey that we all want to be on. It's our pastors on staff, our team, we're filled with the Spirit. Why? So that we can be emboldened. We can be empowered. We can, we can have gifts. We can be strengthened. And we don't want it just for us. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for people who've been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. It's for everyone. You see that Peter meets Cornelius and he has this revelation where God shares with him. He said, this is for all people. Maybe you're in this place and maybe you're, you'd say, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. The final part of this is he transforms us and he convicts us. I remember I was sitting down in, in Mac and I's first year of marriage and I uh, was with a coach who helps some of our pastors on the team and he said, how's the first year of marriage going? I said, oh, it's going pretty good. I said, I've realized how selfish I am. He said, okay. I said, unfortunately, I haven't done anything about it. <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves in that place where we feel the Holy Spirit's conviction, where we feel his, his drawing in, where we feel him pulling us towards something or pulling us away from sin, yet we're in that middle ground of, I just haven't done anything about it yet. Maybe here even in your service, in the service, you, you, you feel the Holy Spirit, you feel this conviction of, I don't have a relationship with Jesus or I've been stiff-arming the Spirit or I've not allowed him to strengthen me or I'm afraid to go in because I know that there's obedience around the corner. God says, I'm here. John 16, eight, Jesus, again, he's, he's telling us these things and John says, and when he comes and Jesus, what is happening? The Holy Spirit's coming. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't do this to condemn you. He does this to convict us. Why? So that we can be more like Jesus. And that's what we're all after, is to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is two parts, one part holy, one part spirit. Some of us are afraid because he's a spirit, but what we have to recognize and realize is that holiness is to be set apart. And God says, when I convict you, when that feeling in your stomach, when the feeling is, I don't feel good about this afterwards. How many of you know that that's conviction, right? Sometimes you ask, well, what is conviction? Well, after you do it, how do you feel? If you wanna give it a test, if you go and you, you give money to somebody and you're generous afterwards, do you feel bad about it or do you feel good? You feel good. But when you sin, you feel bad. You feel, you feel like Adam and Eve hiding from God, distant from God, afraid. That's conviction. And God's want, God wants you to draw near to him. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive his power, you're emboldened, you're strengthened, you're given gifts. You have a better relationship with Jesus so that you can be formed in his image. It's what we're all after, and it's not exclusive. All who call upon the name will be saved. 
Those who are saved receive his, his Holy Spirit. And those who receive the Holy Spirit receive an amazing adventure that God has for you. So I'm encouraging you that on this Pentecost weekend, that you lean into all that God is teaching you, that all God is teaching us through this message and all he's asking you to do to say, maybe I'm here and maybe I'm gonna shorten the arm. Maybe I'm gonna jump all in. I'm gonna take this step in because the spirit is beside you. He's around you. He's within you. And he wants to give you the strength so you can live the life that God has called you to live. So Jesus, I pray right now for every single person in this room that you'd give them the boldness, you'd give them the courage, you'd give them the favor. That as everyone here, they're, they're, they're maybe looking towards something or those watching online, they're saying, is this message for me? It's for you. The Holy Spirit wants to have relationship with us and God, I pray for those things that we're thinking about for each one of us, from the pastors to the person whose first time is in church is today that you'd remind us of who you are and that we wouldn't put the Holy Spirit over there, but we'd recognize that the Holy Spirit is a person of God. It's not a lowercase g, but it is the God of the universe that dwells inside of us when we let him. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that's emboldened, that's empowered, that's courageous because we lean in to who you are as the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now, even in this room, that you'd convict us of our sin, that we'd turn towards you. And for those who don't have a relationship with you, would come into relationship, say, I wanna receive the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray this all in your name, the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen.